This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. Every time we enter into the holiday season, we try to, um, we try to schedule a series that sort of refocuses us. You know, that sort of captures our heart and recenters us on what's really important during the holiday season, right? And so we always try to do a series that talks about, you know, giving and receiving. We talk about generosity and gratitude, and this year is no different. We're launching a series this morning that we're calling Thanksgiving. And so today we're going to talk about generosity and what it does to us and our hearts and how it just enhances our life incredibly. And then next week we're going to talk about gratitude and having a thankful heart and putting our heart in a posture of generosity and gratitude. Now, for me, coming up, generosity was relatively easy. You know, I, I, I feel like my life experience made it easy for me to have a perspective of an open-handed perspective. My parents modeled generosity for me incredibly. They, they were some of the most generous people that uh, to this day I still have ever experienced. I remember distinctly driving as a kid and seeing this homeless guy walk and pushing a cart. He was like the neighborhood homeless guy. He was like always around. You always saw him. He's pushing a cart. And I remember distinctly being in the car with my dad and we went home and got my dad's coat and took it back and gave it to this homeless guy. And as like a five or six-year-old, it was like, for, you know, for us, we're like, oh, yeah, nice, cute story. But for a five or six-year-old, I was like, dad. That's your coat. What are you doing? You're going to be so cold. And he's like, no, nah, man, I got other stuff. You know, we need to serve and help other people. And so it was modeled for me in real tangible ways. I remember a story. Um, how many of you guys, uh, anybody in here familiar with like the number system with Jordans, the shoes, the J's? Yeah, okay, some of you. So half of you will know what I'm talking about. The other of you will be like, you're an idiot. But I remember when the 13s came out, right, which are the Space Jam Jordans, okay? And when they released, they were dope. They were like, they had like black and white ones. They had the blue and gray ones, like a throwback to North Carolina. Anyway, I remember us going to see the Space Jam movie, thinking it was the greatest thing ever, thinking I was going to be Michael Jordan. And so then my dad uh, takes us to Eastland Mall. How many of y'all know what Eastland Mall is? How many of y'all been there? You're living to tell about it. All right. That's a miracle and a testimony in and of itself. Um, no, I'm just kidding, kind of. So he took us to Eastland Mall, and he's like, guys, we are going to get those Space Jam shoes. And we're like, and so we go there, and we're trying on these shoes, and we're getting ready. It's me and my brother, Seth, and Seth got the black and white ones. I, I still remember this like it was yesterday. I got the blue, white, and gray ones, and they had the hologram on the bottom. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. It was like a heavenly experience. And we're sitting there, and we're trying these shoes on, and we're so excited we can't hardly stand it. And then my dad is sitting there watching us, but he notices that there's this kid sitting there watching us do this, go through this whole process. And the kid's in there by himself, just looking at shoes, checking stuff out. And, and when we're trying them on, he's smiling with us. When we're excited, he's excited with us. Just kind of like standing off to the side watching. But you can tell he's like living vicariously through our little family unit situation here. And I remember, I'm, I'm all like, I'm going to be the coolest guy in the world. And I got these shoes. And my dad looks at the kid and he goes, hey, man, you like those shoes? And the kid's like, yeah. Oh, my gosh, those are awesome. He's like, what do you think? Do you think they look good on them? He's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, man, those are cool. And he's like, well, what, what size shoes do you wear? Kid's like, oh man, and he tells him. And my dad goes to the clerk. He's like, hey, go, go get this kid. Just, just try them on. Just see, see, if, see maybe if you like them, right? And so he gets this kid, and the kid tries on the shoes, and this kid's face is like, like Christmas in, in his face, right? And my dad's like, all right, go ahead, you can have those. And my dad bought that kid a pair of shoes. 
And so I'm in like seventh grade at that time. Thinking back, I'm like, Dad, now I know how much those cost. Are, what were you thinking? Why were you buying me those, much less me, my brother, and some other kid those? Like start a college fund or something. But, um, but I remember at that age thinking, oh my gosh, that's incredible. That just made that, I mean, that kid, but then the kid comes back with like six of his friends. like, will you buy us shoes too? Buy us? And my dad's like, yeah, beat it, kids. But, <laughs> but I remember that being modeled for me as a kid. I remember, I'll share one other story that was incredible. We were uh, playing street hockey. Did any of you guys grow up playing street hockey, like in the actual street outside, not on a video gaming entertainment system? Yes, okay. Uh, right, you move the nets, and then the cars go by after Wayne's World came out. You're like, game on, and you put them back out, and you... It was incredible. So me and all my buddies are out in the street playing uh, hockey, and my, my mom and dad roll up in their car, and we're like, oh, car! And, we, you know, we move the nets off to the side, and it's my mom and dad, and they pull up. And if any of you have talked to my dad, you know that uh, he's like 50% there in the head, right? He's a little quirky, a little crazy, a little scary at times, some of the stuff he says. He's in the room, so I can say these things. Um, and I have a microphone, and he doesn't, so I can say these things. Um, and he pulls up, and he's like, hey, hey! We're like, what, what? And he's like, what size skates all you guys wear? And we all told him, and then he just drove off. And we're like, okay, that's my dad. He's a little bit crazy. And then he comes back like 45 minutes later with a trunk full of rollerblades for all the kids on the whole block, right? And we're sitting there like, what? It was incredible. We had these uh, Puerto Rican boys that lived next, like two doors down from us, Juan and Manuel. I will never forget the look on their face when they, he was like, it's like Christmas, it's like Christmas. It was like middle of July. It's like Christmas. It was just the greatest thing ever. They found this deal on rollerblades where they were like super cheap. And rather than thinking, man, I'm going to get these for my kids, they thought, hey, these are so cheap. I could get all of these rollerblades for the price of one. Why wouldn't I be generous and bless other people with that? And I remember thinking through those things as like a seventh grader, right? My dad would buy us all pizza. He'd take my friends out to lunch, whatever. All this stuff. They would be super, super generous. And they modeled that for me as a kid. And so me growing up, my automatic perspective was, oh yeah, of course you help other people. Of course you're generous. Of course you live open-handed. They were consistently teaching that people are more important than things, right? And that was consistently a lesson in our house. And so it made it easier for me to sort of be raised in that context, in that culture, to kind of build that as sort of part of my character and part of who I am. But then I started working and making my own money. <laughs> it was super easy to be generous with my dad's money, you know? So, I mean, and some of you are like, yeah, totally. I'm like, dad, this kid needs something. Okay, yeah, let's go back. Sweet. But then when it came to me and my money that I worked hard for and I slaved away for and I'm doing all that, I'm like, homeboy can go get his own job, man. I've been working for my pager, right? Y'all had a pager? Y'all had a pager? Yeah, can't get an amen. <laughs> I had an orange one. It was right here and then it fell off and I lost it and I cried really hard. I was like 15, but I was crying because I worked hard to buy that pager, right? But you work, and we get our own money, and then we sort of, it becomes a little tougher to be generous, you know? It was easy to be generous with someone else's money, easy to be generous when, when my dad was footing the bill, but when it came to me, it was more of a struggle. It was more of a second-guessing thing. I wasn't just thinking, hey, I'm going to go buy this person, that person, whatever, who cares, whatever. It was like, ooh, I don't know, and we kind of it kind of tightened the grip a little bit. And I think the problem is that many of us are stuck in this mindset. We're stuck in the mindset that I work hard for what I have. I've struggled for what I have. This is mine. I've earned this. This is for me, right? And we get stuck in that perspective and it paralyzes our generosity. 
Here at Central, as a church, we made it one of our core values. We have 10 core values that sort of drive who we are and how we operate, and we talk all about this stuff in CC 101, so make sure you take CC 101, because it's great. But we talk all about generosity, and one of our core values is we are a generous community. And we cite Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 44, where it talks about the early church and how they had all things in common. They came together, and they helped each other, and they, they pooled their money to make things happen. And it wasn't so some people could become rich and others would suffer, but it was so that no one would suffer. That was the idea. It's let's pool our money together to help those who are struggling, not necessarily to make the pastor rich and give them a new Cadillac, right? That wasn't the idea. It was the idea, let's pool our resources so we can help those who have less. And so this morning, what I want to do is I just want to spend a few minutes looking at 2 Corinthians, a passage out of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. And this passage is used all the time in church. It's used a lot of times at offering time. Um, it's used a lot negatively to manipulate and to kind of throw shade and, 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 and be, you know, a little, little skeezy, in my opinion. But I want to take a, a few minutes and kind of look at this and see what it says to us and how we should live and how our posture and our perspective should be one of generosity, especially heading into the holiday season, where all of the media, all of our internet stuff, all the algorithms, all the everything is saying, consume, 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 consume. It's all about you. Be happy. Buy stuff, buy stuff, buy stuff. Rather than that being our perspective heading into the holiday season, I want to spend a few minutes looking at this letter uh, at 2 Corinthians and sort of shift our perspective to one of generosity. And then next week, we'll follow it up with a, with a perspective of gratitude. So let's, let's pray together. God, Thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the truth that it brings to our hearts and to our lives. God, I pray this morning as we dive in uh, to just a small passage of scripture, I pray that you prepare our hearts for what you want to do in and through us. God, I pray that you'd soften our hearts and you'd open our minds. You'd make us receptive to what you have for us today. I pray that nobody would leave this room the same way they walked in. I pray that they would be encouraged, I pray they'd be edified, I pray they'd be challenged, and I pray that they would leave this room changed. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Something we might start in the new year, <laughs> maybe, maybe not, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I, so I go to um, seminary and we have, we've had these presentations these past week and every time someone reads the Bible, they make everybody stand, they're like, stand for the reading of the word. I'm like, oh man. Makes it kind of cool. We might start doing that. Maybe not. Just throwing it out there. So if I do that in the future, don't be alarmed. Just stand up. I'm not going to do it right now. Should I do it right now? I'm not going to do it right now. I'm not going to do it right now. If you want to stand up, you can. No, don't. That'd be weird. Um, <laughs> got like three people standing. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6. through. That was my internal dialogue that you all were previed to. Did you enjoy that? Yeah? That was nice? Okay. Cool. Awesome. I need to work on that. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, it says this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need you will abound in every good work. Many of you guys have probably heard that passage before, right? This is not brand new. What this is, for some of you it may be, this is a letter that Paul wrote to a first century church. Paul was a uh, church planner in the first century, 
And he was instructing these guys. They wrote him with a bunch of questions saying, hey, how do we do this? How do we do that? And they're bickering and fighting. And Paul's writing them back and he's writing them and, and instructing them saying, hey, listen, guys, here's how you do it. Here's some tips. Here's how, here's how you are cool with God. Here's how your relationship works out and shakes down and all of that. And so in the midst of that letter, he says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And many of you guys have probably heard this as the typical offering verse, right? If you give money, God will bless you, amen, hallelujah, that kind of thing, right? And you've probably heard it used in that context. But if we step back a little bit and think about this verse really literally, like the people who were hearing it for the first time, like Paul was writing them, and they're like, oh, okay. When we think about it like in, in the context of gardening or like planting crops or whatever, it's super obvious, right? Obviously, if you sow more seeds, you're going to have more plants, Right? I mean, no, nobody would argue that. It's like, oh, yeah, that's, 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 that makes sense. It's pretty literal there. But when you step back and sort of take it in a spirituality sense, right, and you sort of approach it, and how does this approach to our faith journey? How does this approach, how, how does this apply to me following Jesus? You know, what you put in is what you're going to get out. I feel like we could take from this and say, listen, what you put into your prayer life, what you sow into your prayer life is what you're going to reap in your prayer life. What you invest into your prayer life is going to like, dictate your returns in your prayer life. Does, does that make sense? There's a connection there. What you invest in the scriptures and spending time reading God's word, what you sow into that is what you're going to reap out of that. I read the Bible and I don't really get anything. Well, how often do you read it? Well, I crack it open and I thumb through the pages and go, Lord, show me what to read there. And I read a verse and it means nothing to me. Okay, what you sow into it is what you're going to reap out of it. Same thing with our relationship with God. I just feel like God is so distant. I'm not, I'm not. Whatever you sow into that relationship is going to directly affect the harvest that you receive out of that. It makes sense in crops and planting a garden and things like that. You're like, oh yeah, duh, absolutely, of course. Man, I didn't, nobody walks into their backyard and goes, man, there's no tomatoes and zucchini growing here. Did you plant seeds? No, but there should be something, right? No, that's not the way it works, and you know that. But when it comes to spirituality, we don't, we don't put the two and two together. Oh, man, God just seems so distant. Oh, man, God's not answering my... Well, how much have you sown into this? How much have you, you know, prepared into that and cultivated the soil of your relationship with God so that you can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, so you can feel the unction of the Holy Spirit? How much have you invested into it because you sow sparingly, you will also reap sparingly. You sow generously, you also reap generously. Think, I mean, think about practicality. The more you put into achieving your goals, the closer you're going to get to getting to your goals. Right? This is like a life hack verse. Like it applies to so many different areas of our lives. The harder you go, the greater the result. But here's the deal. This verse isn't just an isolated instance Paul is saying something greater here, and it's part of a bigger message that he's sending to the church in Corinth. Because in chapter 8 and the beginning of chapter 9, leading up to this passage, Paul is talking to these people, and he's encouraging them and thanking them for being so generous and being so zealous, meaning they're excited, they're passionate about following Jesus, they're passionate about giving and serving others and putting others before themselves, and they're doing these things, and he's celebrating that in them. This whole passage is encouraging them to keep it up. He's saying, keep it up. You guys, keep chasing after, keep going all in, keep being generous, keep doing all these things. He, he's essentially encouraging them. He's saying, listen, be all in. 
The more you sow, the more you're going to reap. The more hardcore you all are about this, the more results that you're going to see. It's just a fact of life. Keep it up in your faith journey. Keep it up. He's essentially saying, listen, a generous life is a better life. A generous life is a better life. It's a better perspective. It's a better life experience. It's a better worldview. An open-handed approach to life is a better way of life. He's saying the more you sow, the more you're going to reap. You sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. He's saying, listen, when the harvest time comes, don't be that guy. That guy that didn't sow anything into it. Everybody else is experiencing this deep, awesome, authentic relationship with God. Other people are, are reading the word and it's speaking to their life and changing them. They have a prayer life where they seek God and they feel like there's intimate conversation. Don't be the guy that's sitting there going, man, I don't have any of that stuff. I feel empty. I feel distant. I feel isolated. I feel, don't be that guy. He's saying, if you sow sparingly, you're going to be that guy or girl, Right? He's saying, sow into this stuff so you can reap this stuff. And then he goes on in verse 7, which is connected to verse 6 that we just read. He says, each person should give what they have decided in their heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We hear this one at offering time all the time too, don't we? This whole passage about being generous. He says, each person should give what they have decided in their heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, this is connected to the previous verse. The previous verse is basic message is go all in. Stay zealous. Stay generous. Do these things. Go hard. You should be all in. And then he says, but listen, here's the deal. If you're not, that's a heart issue because your generosity comes from your heart. It's a posture of the heart. It's a heart condition. Does that make sense? That's what drives our generosity. And so if you're not sowing into a relationship with Jesus, you're not sowing into your heart condition, then the only way you're going to be generous is if you're given out a compulsion or someone manipulates you to do it. It's not going to be your automatic. And so you have to sow into this stuff for generosity to be something that just naturally flows out of you. So he starts off saying, sow generously and reap generously. Listen, our heart is what guides our giving. It's not about a dollar amount. It's not about what, what, you know, a, a bottom line. It's about the posture of our heart. Our heart guides our giving. And it says that God loves a cheerful giver. God loves it when you sow into relationship with him. God loves it when your heart is in the same rhythms as his and you can be a generous person. God loves that when it comes out of your heart. That's the posture and perspective that he desires from us. And then I feel like in the very next verse, he kind of combats a little bit of the, the, the pushback that, that, that he, he is anticipating that's gonna come. He says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Again, this is another passage that's taken out of context. They put all these three together, and they say, check it out. You need to sow generously and be happy about it, and if you do, God's going to bless you like crazy. Guys, that is not what Paul is saying here. But it's used that way so often. So often we're in church services where they say, you give $10 and glory to God, you're going to get $100 in return this week. Hallelujah. They even put a hallelujah at the end of it so you think it's holy. That's not what he's talking about. That's not what he's saying. Invest $100, you get $1,000. Invest $1,000, you get $10,000. Invest $10,000, you get $100,000. That's not it. You're missing the mark completely. That's not what Paul is talking about to the church in Corinth. 
And that's not the intention of this book to us. That's not it. And if that's the message you've been fed, that's got to go. Because essentially what Paul is doing here is he takes three Greek words and he heaps them on top of each other on purpose. And he throws this in here to say he's sending a message without actually saying the message. He throws in these three Greek words, pante, pantote, and pasan. And he, throw, he stacks them right on top of each other in the Greek. And essentially what he's saying, it's the three words that make up all things, all times, all that you need. God has all things at all times and all that you need. You know what he's doing here? He's setting you up to say, listen, God is sufficient. Yes, you need to reap generously. You need to sow generously. You need to be obedient. You need to be a generous person. And you need to get your heart in a place that it drives your generosity. You need to get your heart in a posture and have the perspective in life that generosity is an automatic and it comes out of your heart because God loves that. And then the automatic pushback is, okay, yeah, Sam, I'm all about that. When I have a better job, I'm going to be so generous. Sam, when I have more money in the bank, I prom- I'm going to be so stinking generous. When I don't have to fix my car and pay for school, and do all- then when that happens, I am going to be so stinking generous. Paul's like, nah, man, that, 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 no, that's not what I'm saying. Listen, in all things, at all times, all that you need, God is sufficient. When is a good time to be generous? Always. There is no good time to be generous. Generosity should be our perspective. It should be our posture. It should be just who we are and what we do. Not when the circumstances align and the stars align and everything lines up perfectly. Our ultimate dependence should be on God anyway, not on that money, not on whatever it is we're being generous with. And we're not just talking money, we're talking time, we're talking talents, we're talking abilities. We're talking just relationally being there for someone when you don't want to be. You'd much rather be at home watching the Lions, but somebody needs to hang out, and so you go hang out with them. That's, that falls into generosity. Don't call me on a Sunday, though. That, that, all follows, that all falls under generosity. It really does. It's a posture. It's a perspective. It's a world view. And Paul is driving home the point here. He's saying, listen, listen. Lose the excuses. Be generous now. Because in all things, at all times, having all that you need, God is sufficient for you. God's got you. Don't worry about all that stuff and let that be a barrier or an inhibitor for you to live a generous life. Be generous now. It's a mindset. It's a heart posture. It's a perspective. It's a lifestyle. It's who we are. It's not something that we do. It's who we are. It's an automatic response. So he comes at us. He's like, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. What you put in is what you're going to get out. And when you live a generous life, you live a better version of life. And in verse 7, he said, each person should give what, he, what, what they have decided in their heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Your heart, your heart posture, your heart condition determines your generosity. It's a perspective and a worldview. It's not manipulation and convincing. If you have to be manipulated to be generous, don't do it because it's crap anyway. If you have to be coerced to be generous, don't do it. Because it's not about what you're actually doing. It's about your heart. It's about your posture and about your perspective. And God wants you in a place that you want to be generous. 
You want to be that person. You want to see the kid struggling who doesn't have nice shoes and buying them shoes. He wants your heart to be in that person. He don't care about the shoes. He cares about your heart and your generous eyes to see that there's a need and then meeting that need. That's what he wants. It's not about the shoes. It's about your heart. God loves it when we're generous. And then in verse 8, he says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. When you're solely dependent on God, and then kind of reverse engineer it. You know how you become solely dependent on God? You sow mightily into that relationship with God. You align your heart with the heart of God, and then you can become solely dependent. Do you see the progress, the progression through this passage? When you solely depend on God, it's sustaining in the good times and the bad times. It's never a wrong time to be generous, ever. Well, back then I had more money, so I could do those generous things. No. Money is just a number. We're talking about a heart perspective. We're talking about a posture in life. Oh, it was easier to be generous back then, or it's going to be easier later. No, 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 no. It's never the wrong time to be generous, ever. It's never the wrong time to be generous. And so as we enter into this holiday season, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I want to implore you. I want to beg of you. Generosity. Generosity. Let generosity define you. Let generosity be who you are, not something that you do. Don't let it be an action, but let it be you. Generosity. When everything you hear and read and encounter says consume, 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 cut Thanksgiving in half so you can go consume, 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 consume. Look at all these sales. Consume, consume, consume. When this is berating us from all angles, generosity. Have a heart and a perspective and a posture of generosity because God loves a cheerful giver. God loves it when our hearts are aligned with him in generosity. And Paul comes at us, he says, you know, whatever you sow, you'll reap. Position your heart in generosity because God loves it when we're generous. And God is sufficient. There is never a bad time to be generous. And so what's going to happen is the band's going to lead us in one more song. And as they do that, I just want to give you a few moments to sort of reflect. And I want to challenge you to walk out of here with at least one way that you're going to be generous this holiday season. One way that you're going to be generous. Maybe some of you, you need to be praying and saying, God, just give me eyes to see. I just don't see it. I just don't. That's not. My head doesn't go. God, give me eyes to see the needs that you see. God, give me the heart to see the needs that you see. Give me a heart of generosity. Give me a perspective and a worldview that's not so inwardly focused that I don't see anybody else around me. Maybe you're praying for God to align you with him. Maybe your prayer is, God, okay, I, I know what you're talking about. How do you want me to do it? I know the person you need me to reach out to. I know the person I need to get lunch with. I know the person I need to buy shoes for. I know the person who doesn't have money to get their kids Christmas. I know the person that this, that, and the other. God, what do you want me 
to do about it? How do you want to mobilize me? I see it. I hear it. Loud and clear. Okay, got it. Cool. Same page. Now what? Maybe that's the conversation you're having this morning. Or maybe it's God, just, just use me. I'm here. I'm available. Maybe I need to cut cable so that frees up an extra 120 bucks a month and I can take that 120 bucks a month and do something for your kingdom with it. Maybe it's something super ultra practical like that. God, I have no money. What should I do? Give me ideas. Because there are ways for us to be generous. It's not just money. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. And so I want to give you guys an opportunity to do some business with God before we leave here this morning. So let's pray together. God. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.